This is your coffee break. Hi friends, I'm back again this week. I have with me a person of many talents. I have with me today, Matt Bruff. And we are going to be talking today about self-publishing. We're going to be talking about helping other people publish. It's going to be a great conversation. Welcome to the show, Matt. I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be on your podcast, Sarah. I, I'm a regular listener, so I just love uh, this podcast. And thanks for the opportunity to come on and share today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking to be on. I love connecting with people. And you just have, you have so many interesting facets to your story. Um, I, you know, can we start, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself so we can kind of get to know you a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a pastor in a Presbyterian church in Winnipeg and, um, started writing kind of later, I guess I'd written lots of things like sermons and articles just for congregation and things like that. Um, but started writing fiction a couple of years ago, probably about three years ago. Um, found a story that stuck after starting lots of different stories um, and then got into the self-publishing world just to basically put the words out there. Um, and uh, in the last two and a half years, I've ended up uh, publishing uh, now four books, actually, two oh. fiction and two nonfiction. The nonfiction are shorter, uh, kind of under 100 page books, um, but the fiction's longer normal fiction length so um so yeah i've been uh, i've gotten into writing and uh now i've gotten into podcasting too so i actually have a podcast that i do that i've just started in the last uh three months so that that's been right. lots of fun as well well good I, and i know that you kind of mentioned that earlier we we kind of connected we were going to record and then i was a flake and <laughs> then we didn't um tell me a little bit just real quick about your podcast yeah, it's called Spirituality for Normal People, and then in brackets, not that anyone's normal. <laughs> uh, and it and it's basically just, I just talk to people, um, it's an interview-based podcast, so I talk to uh, other pastors or authors, or I've talked to some musicians as well, or just regular folk, um, about what do they do in their own personal lives to connect with God. Um, so we talk about reading the Bible, or prayer, or um, I'm really into prayer walking, so going for walks while I pray. So yeah. I talk about that a bunch, or what is it that people are reading, or different books that people might recommend. Um, and that's been so much fun, and I've learned a ton already um, just doing, I think there's about 13 or 14 episodes now. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. So that's basically what the podcast is about, but great to meet it. people. Oh my yeah. gosh. You, I have to tell you, um, and I'll provide a link to your podcast in the show notes for today's episode, of course. Um, that's been my favorite thing about podcasting, too, is I meet amazing people and I mm -hmm. learn so much. I've never learned. I, I think that uh, doing a podcast has been better for my education than, you know, my college degree. So this has been I, I hope that it continues to be a great learning adventure for you. Yeah, I've, it's been so much fun, but I've been blown away like that when people ask me what I've liked about it, like I will look and see, you know, how many people are listening and, you know, it's not, not those many yet. Yep. Um, but actually, <laughs> I, I just love um, the interviews and just talking with people 
um, because it, it's, I mean, just for my own learning, I, I think, well, I would probably want to do this even if I was not recording it and putting it out on the internet. I, I want to keep talking to the people that I'm talking to. I know. You know what? And in, in fact, that, that resonates with me so much because sometimes I'll be talking to somebody on my podcast and I'll feel the same. I'm like, I almost feel like I'm getting a free mentoring session or a free lesson. And it's exactly. just, I feel well, very in selfish. My case, in my case, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm getting free counseling. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing as a as a pastor and even someone who's a Christian. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Thank you for sharing that with us. Again, I'll have a link to Spirituality for Normal People in the show notes for today's episode. So you write uh, middle grade fiction. You yep. write nonfiction. You talked about finding the story that stuck. That I've never heard anybody talk about it that way, but I, I think like many writers, I tend to start a lot of projects. Tell me a little bit about how you knew that the story was going to stick. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'd written, I'd started so many different stories, and this is going back a number of years, um, probably to my early 20s, and I'm now early 40s. Um, and uh yeah, just tried so many times and gotten, you know, one page in or four pages in. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and that's about it. Uh, and I just started, um, you know, plotting out, kind of uh, planning um, a story that I thought was interesting. Um, it was actually going to be science fiction. And that was kind of my latest uh, failed attempt. Um, and then started listening to uh, the self-publishing podcast, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Um and, and got into that a little bit and read Write, Publish, Repeat by uh, a Sean Platt and Johnny Truant. It's the, the same people who, who do that podcast. And just started learning about, wow, there's this whole other world that of self-publishing that exists and, and started and then read on writing mm. um, Stephen King. So prior to prior to getting into that world, I wasn't really trying to learn anything about the craft. I was just <laughs> trying to write and uh, and realized I had a lot to learn. Um, but then also realized that I can just write, uh, garbage and that's okay. <laughs> yes, and, it and is. just keep going. So, <laughs> uh, I didn't really get that before. So I, I started trying to do that. Um, and then getting back to the, the story that stuck with me, I, I, I decided, you know what, maybe I just need to write something and realize it's going to take me a really long time to write it. Mm -hmm. And that's all right. Um, and I got the idea that maybe I should try writing something that I would want my daughter to read. Uh, and she was five years old and I thought, okay, maybe I should aim at a 10 year old reading level because it's probably going to take me five years to ever finish <laughs> anything. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't know, I think maybe that motivation really helped, mm. um, writing for her. I also had, was reading a book called mini habits at the time. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, I am but not. I found that to be a really helpful book, but basically the, the premise of that book is set a ridiculously small daily goal for something you're trying to accomplish. Mm. Um, so the guy who wrote it, um, I, can't, I can't remember his name now, but um, he, uh, he invented the one push-up workout. Uh, <laughs> so you know, he, would, uh, he would do one push-up a day was his goal for his workout. And so it's so ridiculously small that you feel silly if you don't accomplish it. <laughs> Um, so one of his examples was, what if you set a goal of 200 words per day? Um, and if you actually did that, eventually you'll have a book. Um, so I thought, well, maybe that's possible. Like maybe I'm just taking, thinking this is way too big. 
Um, so I set myself 250 words a day. Ooh. That's my goal. Um, and, uh, and I write lots, you know, I write as a pastor every week and mm-hmm. have, and you know, my sermons are maybe 2000 words, um, if I'm writing it out fully, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I'll do that week in and week out. So I know how to write. Uh, so I basically did that and just started with that motivation of writing for my daughter. And it turned out, I actually, I like tracking things. So I had a little chart of what my average word count was per oh, day. Yeah. And it turned out that I was actually writing about 750 words a day. And so some days I really struggled to get the 250 mm-hmm. and it was really painful to get 250 out. And other days I got to 250 and I, like, I can't, I couldn't stop. The story was too good. You know, I had to just keep going. <laughs> I love that uh, feeling. So, so I had my first draft in three months. Oh so I was just shocked that suddenly I had this story um, and my daughter couldn't read yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's when I started thinking, well, maybe I should self-publish this. I started getting into listening about that and reading about it. And I was always thinking, yeah, maybe in five years I would, I would look at doing that. Um, so then I thought, well, maybe I should look at doing it right now. Um, and, and was done, uh, you know, had it, had it published within six months of starting. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was kind of the, the beginning of that journey. So, yeah. Congratulations. I'm so excited that you did this. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was so, so much fun and so rewarding. Um, and now like getting in, and I really enjoy the publishing side. I don't think it is for everyone actually. Uh, but I really enjoy kind of going into dashboards and clicking on things and figuring out what the keywords need to be in Amazon and all of that kind of stuff. I, I like doing that. Um, and I like trying to figure out how to do book formatting and, mm. uh, coordinating the covers and figuring out who's going to be the editor and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I like doing that coordination. Can you give us a little bit of a whirlwind tour of what the self-publishing process looks like for you? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a huge subject. And there's tons of information out there online. And I would say, like, if anybody's interested, I, and I've mentioned the self-publishing podcast, it's probably not my number one go-to place anymore. It was just sort of, sort of my starting place. I still, I still listen to that podcast. But if anybody's interested at all, I would really recommend that they go and check out The Creative Pen. Uh, Joanna, Joanna Pan is amazing. So I've learned so much just from listening to her podcast and it's pretty much all free. I mean, you can pay for her, her, her work as well. Like her nonfiction books are really great. Um, but there's all kinds of free information there. Yeah, I agree. And I'll make sure that I link to that in the show notes for today's episode as well. Joanna Penn is a wonderful resource and she has this beautiful, soothing British accent. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, really, your your podcast and her podcast are my top two uh, writing podcasts that I listen to. Oh, gosh. Um, so they are like they are right up there. I, I think mainly, too, because both of them, like yours and hers, are both so encouraging. And uh, and you feel I, I always feel when I listen to the creative pen that afterwards I feel like, oh, yeah, I can really do this. Um, so I really recommend that for people. Um, but you're asking about a whirlwind tour of (laughs) of process. Um, I think, I mean, in the end, the most important thing is the writing. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it can be easy to get lost in that. And I sometimes do that where I found, well, I haven't written for a month and I've been doing all of this publishing stuff and I think that's okay. But I think for me, I have to remind myself to get back to the writing. That's the most important thing. Um, so I go, I mean, getting first drafts done is really important and doing revision. And I think people are probably pretty familiar with that. Um, 
I've been really fortunate to have a great editor that I've been working with the last little while in my nonfiction. Um, and so I actually met her at a writer's conference. Um, and, but there's ways to find editors, freelance editors as well. So she actually did some work for me for free, which was fantastic just from our relationship. Mm. Um, and then I started to feel really bad about that because she was so good. So <laughs> I started insisting that I pay her. Um, and, and so, so we're doing that now. So there's a, there's an arrangement for me to pay her. Um, and so basically go through, I do, I use her for copy editing. I don't do a developmental edit mainly because it's really expensive. Mm. Uh, so I've had my wife help me a fair amount with that, particularly on the second, uh, uh, fiction book, um, which is called Del, Del Rider and the Rescue of Eleanor. So they're fantasy adventure books. Um, but, uh, so my wife really helped me with the overall structure of the book. And I think getting help with, with that, with the, with the structure and then with the copy editing and with proofreading, that's essential. And I think that, you know, there are some self-published books out there that where people have just kind of ignored that and mm. just put out their words, um, and they're just not good. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I think that's critical, uh, to get, to get that help. Um, and the first book I published, I didn't have really any money to put into editing. So I had about 10 friends do my editing for me. <laughs> um, and then six months later, once I'd made some money from the book, I actually put that in to do a professional edit on the book. And I'm really glad I did that. So mm -hmm. I, I actually republished the book. Um, so there is a second edition of that one. Um, and then I've always hired hired pros or got professionals who are willing to uh, work for, for nothing. Sometimes. <laughs> um, so editing is super, super important. I think people probably already know about that too. Um, and then I basically will use uh, different software tools for, uh, uh, for writing, but also for things like formatting and organization. So I use Scrivener mm. uh, for my writing, which is just fantastic. Um, and I did use it uh, originally for uh, my ebook and for paperback formatting. So I learned how to make Scrivener do that. That's awesome. Because <laughs> it can. Uh, the ebook side is not too bad, but it's really hard to make Scrivener export really nice looking interior paperback formatting. Um, so I did it, um, but I'm probably never going to do it again. <laughs> um, I now I'm using another fantastic tool for all of my formatting, and that is um, a tool called Vellum. So I don't know if you've heard of Vellum. I have not. Yeah, so this is a a phenomenal uh, tool for anyone who wants to do self-publishing. It's Mac only, so PC users maybe are not thrilled about that. <laughs> um, but this tool, I mean, it's it's basically magic. It just has all of these templates for. Uh, it was originally ebook only formatting, and they've just released in at the beginning of June. Um, they released uh, a. A paper, paperback formatting as well. And I wasn't sure what that was going to be like. I bought it because the software is just so phenomenal. Um, and, uh, and I used it for my latest uh, nonfiction book. And literally formatting the paperback was was essentially I clicked a couple of buttons and, and it just took my ebook and just turned it into a paperback formatted book. Oh, gosh. And, and it looks absolutely beautiful. The interior is just gorgeous. Uh, so I, it's, it's really quite good. 
Um, the people who developed that software actually originally worked for Pixar and decided to leave Pixar to develop uh, ebook and paperback formatting software. <laughs> That's so, awesome. In other words, they're really creative and they really know what they're doing. Uh, so it, yeah, I, I can't speak enough about how fantastic Vellum is. So it, I mean, it's, it's good to just play around with. The other thing about that software is I love the way that they have set up being able to use the software. So you can download it for free. You can use it, but if you actually want to export, uh, anything out of the software, then that's the, that's the point that you have to pay. Um, and there's a fantastic preview window in that software. So you can basically see what your book is going to look like in print. You can see what your book is going to look like on a Kindle, what it's going to look like on an iPad in iBooks. Um, and it, you can just select which view you want to see and you can, and it's right there in front of you. Uh, so it's really quite good. So you can play around with it. I, I did that for a few months before I needed to publish anything or needed to produce anything. You talked a little bit about when we initially connected, there's ups and downs to self-publishing. And I would love to just hear a firsthand account of uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I think the downs are really, uh, I mean, it's probably true of traditional publishing too, but it's really hard to sell books. Mm -hmm. So um, actually, I, I, I've about broken even on what I've spent on on getting my books out there um, and doing some marketing and all of that kind of stuff. I've about broke even uh, with what I've earned. Mm -hmm. So it's been a year and a half or two years of, uh, and, and lots of work to do it. Um, and not really, uh, no, not really any money to show for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now I, from what I've read or heard from, you know, friends who are traditionally pu published, it's almost a similar story. Like what I do have to show for it is I actually have four books that are out there for people to read. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if I'd gone a traditional route, I still might not have a book out there um, and, and still wouldn't have any money. Like I'd still be working <laughs> with agents and trying to find an agent, trying to find a publisher and all of that kind of stuff. So I was able, I, for me, that's the upside is just being able to go and experiment and try. And I'm the kind of person who likes to just jump in and try and, and just go and do it um, and see what happens from it. Um, and, and one of the greatest things for me that I really didn't think about before I started uh, was really with my fiction books, because they're for kids and they're, uh, you know, fantasy adventure books for kids. I've ended up uh, being able to go and visit local schools okay. and, uh, and talk to kids about the books um, and really just about reading and why reading is important. Uh, and that's been fantastic. So I've sold some books through that. Um, but it's really, that's almost, that's really secondary to what that's become. So I've purposely done that around uh, it, where we are. We have an I Love to Read month in February in schools. Um, so I'll contact librarians. It's mostly people that I know about or have heard about um, and uh, and just ask, can I come in and, and uh, talk to uh, grade four to grade six students usually. Um, and that's been incredible. So I think really meeting readers and realizing, you know, there's people that, whether it's kids or adults with some of my uh, nonfiction, although there's lots of adults who like the fiction too, <laughs> um, 
but just hearing back and getting that feedback from people and realizing my words are actually impacting the lives of people making a difference in their lives or they're just simply enjoying them. Um, that's, that's been so amazing over the last few years is just seeing that take place. And even though it's on a fairly small scale, um, so yeah, I, I think the downside is, is it's, you know, I think if, if you have an idea that, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hit it big through <laughs> self-publishing, um, I think that's a really long journey. It's, it's probably the same as being traditionally published. It's a really long journey. Um, it's just, you have the ability to put the books out there, but you're, you're probably not going to get a million copies sold in the first couple of years. Yeah. I appreciate your, your candor with that. I know that it's very easy to get big dreams and say, I'm going to be the next JK Rowling. And I think it's it's healthy to sort of temper that a little bit and to really look for the good that you're doing for people. I love that you are able to visit schools. Like I always remember growing up, we would have um, different people visit, read to us, talk about books. And it was just always the high. Well, I was also a huge book nerd, but it was always right. the highlight um, of, of pretty much anything. Yeah, and um, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't love books when I was when I was a kid. So that's part of my story oh. is that I was a reluctant reader, um, and I didn't like. I didn't like reading, so I read because I had to. Because the you know the teacher told me to, <laughs> uh, and I actually. But I liked being read too. So I remember my mom reading uh, the Chronicles of Narnia to mm-hmm. us, to me and my sisters, on a road trip when we were going to Vancouver from Winnipeg. Um, when we were kids and you know that I loved the story and then when I tried to read it myself I failed miserably I couldn't make it through the books Um, and it wasn't until I think I was in grade eight I was in grade eight and I read The Hobbit and it was the first book I had ever read and it was assigned by my English teacher but it was the first book I ever read that I immediately wanted to read it again (gasps) yes and and I had no idea that books could do that so, um, so I tell that story to the kids because I think there's, you know, us- I can tell usually when I go and speak that it's that it's the book nerds that are really interested. <laughs> but, yep. but I also am trying to hopefully reach out to some of the kids and just let them know that if they keep reading and keep trying different books. And I tell them, like, for me, it was fantasy. Um, and I just loved Tolkien. I, I ended up just, you know, reading everything I, kept, I could get my hands on of Tolkien's. Um, and for me, it was it was his books, but it might be something else for for somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and trying to encourage kids to just keep reading, and it's okay if you're slow. Like it took me when I was in grade nine, it took me in the entire grade nine year to read Lord of the Rings, and you know I had friends who blew through the Lord of the Rings in a month. Mm. Uh, and but for me, it just it was painstakingly slow, and I'm still a pretty slow reader. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But but yeah, just to stick with it, I think that that's that's the main message I try to get across to them. I love it. I love that you're doing that. That's so it's so crucial. It's so important. And I love that you get joy out of it, too. That's just oh, that's just awesome. I want to ask you're working on a exciting new project uh, right now. And it's maybe not the traditional sort of project that an author works on. You are helping someone publish a book. Yeah. Tell yeah, us all I, about it. Well, I'm so thrilled about this. Um I'm probably, I shared with you before we started recording, but I'm more excited about this project, I think, than my own books. Um, this, my mom has been writing a book um, for a long time. 
Um, this is her first book that she's ever written. Um, she wouldn't mind me sharing that she's uh, turning 73 this year. Oh. And, um, and it's, you know, it, it started out kind of just as a family uh, historical kind of story, almost memoir type story. Um, it's it's more historical fiction now, and the story is just fantastic. So now I've read the book, and I like, and it's and it's gone through edits and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and the book is just fantastic. So uh, the title is "The Prussian Captain," and um, it's uh, and my mom's name is Anne Anne Bruff. Um, so it's coming out. It'll come out in September. So we're we're planning for that. And I just saw the first proof copy of the paperback, and it looks beautiful. Aww. So I I actually had uh, coffee with my mom and dad the other day, uh, me and my wife, and uh, we took the the book with us because I I'm technically the publisher. So I, <laughs> That's I get, awesome. I get the first copy, and then I get to go and meet with my author, my mom, and. Uh, and uh, show her the paperback, and I thought she was going to cry, you know, because she's uh, she's actually holding her book in her hand for the first time, and uh, it, it's just fantastic uh, to see that. Um, but yeah, her story is just so good, and her storytelling is just unbelievably good. Uh, so she's a great storyteller, uh, and manages to tell this story that goes, you know, sweeps across fifty years, and um, it's really about her her grandparents mm. and um, you know, her mom was what was considered an illegitimate child and her grandparents had this love affair. Her grandfather was in his fifties. Her grandmother was 18 years old. Oh my. And, um, and he was a British aristocracy, super wealthy family. And uh, my mom's grandmother grew up in abject poverty uh, in uh, the Midlands of England. Um, so the story actually follows the two of them. Uh, the first part follows Edward uh, starting from when he was a child, actually, and goes uh, right through to when he meets Gertrude. And then it goes back and starts at the beginning of Gertrude's life and goes right through to when she meets Edward. And then the rest of the story is what happens with this love affair? Why does it happen? And what comes as a result. So obviously we know that there's a child born <laughs> at some point. Um, but then what will happen to that child and uh, at the end of the story is, is kind of the focus of the book. Um, but it, yeah, Edward's story is fascinating because his family actually um, traveled to the United States and um, went actually to the Napa Valley uh, in the late 1800s. Uh, his father... Uh, had uh, had a PhD in chemistry, so we we think that he was brought out to the Napa Valley to do testing on soils oh. to find out about what would grow. Um, and so my mom, that part of the story when she was writing it, um, she was imagining, you know, it's the late 1800s in California. It's kind of like Wild West, mm -hmm. right? Um, so she's writing that they, you know, lived in this log cabin that they built and, um, you know, was, they were a fairly big family that they were wealthy, but they, they lived in this, you know, they were kind of roughing it in her story. And, uh, my aunt, uh, helped my mom do a bunch of research and they got in touch with, um, someone in the Napa Valley, either in the historical society or the genealogical society. And they found an article written in the 1960s that was all about, you know, different buildings that were, were that were built in the Napa Valley. Oh. And I, it's no longer there, but there's a description of 
the house that the Wrights and family lived in. And it was a French chateau. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it describes the this window that was there that caught the reflection of the sun and went across Wild Horse Valley, which is part of the Napa Valley. And anyone in the valley could see the reflection off there and the light. So everyone knew that that was the castle that they called it. And then they found out that they had three different servants uh, in, in the castle, basically. <laughs> so my mom had to rewrite her her book. And she thought, wow, like the truth is actually way better than what she had imagined. <laughs> um, and she just kept finding little things like that as the research went on. She was filling out, you know, details from her mind. And then they would, my aunt would phone her up and say, I found something else. And she'd have to go and revise her story. And it was often this way more extravagant uh, thing that, uh, that she hadn't anticipated. So it's just been a fantastic and fun project and a real labor of love for her. So I'm just thrilled that we can kind of put it out to the world and, um, and it's a, like at the heart, it's a romance and an adventure kind of story. Um, so it's it, it's kind of got all kinds of different elements. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love it. How did you first get involved? The, did this involve you sort of saying, you know, mom, you can do this, you can finish your novel? Or was she pretty much running with it? And then you kind of stepped in and said, I can help you publish? Or how did you kind of get involved in it? Yeah, well, she was she was already kind of starting to write it um, seriously. Like she's been working on it for 15 years, but a lot of it is just at, at, at first it was just oh, we need to really write some of this down so we don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, my my grandmother, my mom's mom, started to remember things in her when she was in her 80s, just before she died, that either she had blocked out or she just decided to never share with her children um, things about her childhood. Um, and kind of being, she ended up being sort of shuffled back and forth between, uh, her dad and, and her mom's family. So, um, so maybe she had blocked it. It was quite traumatic going between poverty and, and extreme wealth on a regular basis. And, um, yeah, so my mom just started out thinking, I need to write this down. Like this is our family history. And, and so it really just started there. And then I think even by the time I was starting to write, uh, my first book, uh, Del Ryder, and the crystal seed um she she was getting serious about maybe this could be a book um and uh and you know i kind of kept it secret that i was writing a book and was going to publish it for a while and eventually when i was about halfway through the book i decided you know um you know my wife my wife knew but i had even started before i told her Um, (laughs) and but but she knew and then uh, eventually i thought i'm gonna have to start telling people so i told my mom and um and so and they were you know my parents were super supportive but it sounds kind of funny like i was 39 years old and i was i was worried about like i'm gonna tell my parents (laughs) (laughs) um but that was that was the truth um and then you know i think her just seeing like we still hadn't really talked about publishing her book because it was just still a work in progress and just you know she's going to keep working on it and writing it and then really maybe about a year ago her and I just started talking about you know yeah you can finish this and like you know if we're gonna if we're serious about this book whatever route we go we're gonna need to look at editing it and how that's going to be done and who's going to do that um and then probably about uh maybe six months ago her and I just started talking about, well, what do you really want to do? Do you want to try to uh, find an agent? Do you want to try to submit to publishers? And like my mom is not, um, 
like she's not really online. <laughs> like she, yeah. <laughs> she's, not on, she's not on Facebook. There's no, there's no Twitter. There's no following. And so I think just having a, like having a way to think through, well, how would we spread the word about this book and started thinking about doing that. Um, and then really just have an honest conversation with her about, well, what are your goals? Mm. Um, you know, uh, and I think that's probably true for anybody who's thinking about either self-publishing or traditional publishing. You got to think about what your goals are. And my mom wanted to see her book in print. That was the first goal. Um, and then, you know, be able to share that story with friends and family mm. is another goal for her. Uh, and then if, you know, after that, it was, well, if we're going to do that and we're going to have a good product, then let's start thinking about are there ways that we can market this that will give the op an opportunity for other readers who might love the story to find it and fall in love with it. Um, but really, the primary goals are my mom wants to, wants to have her book in print and she wants to do that quickly. She doesn't want mm. to to go through uh, a process of trying to find somebody and then thinking now I'm waiting for six months to even hear back about whether someone will represent me or whether it might be published one day, three years from now. Right. She doesn't want to do that. She wants to see it out in September this year sometime. Um, and some of that might be the stage of of life that she's in. Mm -hmm. Um and and then just kind of thinking, well, those are our primary goals. And then if we can do some other things to maybe recoup some of the costs and maybe make a little bit of extra money off of it. Great. Let's do that. Awesome. So that's coming out September 2017. Her mm -hmm. name is Anne Bruff. And the title is The Prussian. The Prussian Captain. Captain. Perfect. I'll make sure to. Let's see if I were to link to that in the show notes, um, is there, and I should probably ask this of you too, if people are interested in connecting with you online, if they're interested in following you, where can they go? What should they do? Yeah, for me, uh, there are two websites that are good to go to. Uh, one is spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. So it's a really long address, but <laughs> pretty easy to remember. Um <laughs> So yeah, spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. And that goes to my podcast and has most of the information about my nonfiction books, which are books about God, basically. Uh, and then mattbruff.com, M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-G-H.com. Uh, that has more focus on the fiction books. Perfect. Uh, and then we've created a website for my mom's book as well. So annbruff.com annbruff.com yeah awesome i'll make sure that your your uh the show notes for your episode today are going to be very very rich with wonderful links and places for people to visit so i would encourage you if you're listening to this right now go out to the show notes for today's episode check out all of the amazing links uh we have book recommendations we have websites we have all sorts of things out there so you initially sort of dipped your toe into the water of self-publishing by publishing a short story under a pen name. Can you just give us a, a, a the story behind that and how that happened? Yeah, that's, I, I'm really glad I did that. Um, I've since taken the book off and un, unpublished <laughs> it. <laughs> so you can't find it. Um, yeah, basically, I just didn't know what I was doing. So I thought, uh, I want to test how how to actually put a book onto Amazon. Mm. Um, and so using, I didn't even get into this and in talking about how to self-publish, but, um, <laughs> you know, you can go to uh, search for Kindle Direct Publishing and and you can find out all kinds of things and you can set up an account for uh, 
for publishing through for Kindle, essentially. Um, so I only I only did it there um, through KDP. And I, basically, I knew I was already going to I was already working on the other book and it was it was getting ready to go. But I wanted to test the waters and just to sort of see what the process would be, what questions, I, what things I would have to fill out on the dashboard and all of that kind of stuff. So I've written. I, so I decided I'm going to write a, a short story. It was unedited. It was really <laughs> terrible. Uh, but uh, but, you know, Amazon lets you publish pretty much whatever you want. Um, and I think I went on to Fiverr and got somebody to make a cover for it for $5. And uh, so I spent $5 on the book and uh, I think it was basically two chapters, um, you know, a part one and a part two. So I had that written and figured out how to do, part of it was figuring out how to do the exporting in Scrivener, um, Mm. or like how to export an ebook and just doing the testing to see how that works. So on a shorter thing, that was a lot easier than making sure the whole long book and checking it all over. Um, It was was much easier to do on a short story. Uh, So did that export and then went into, you know, it allowed me to go in and set up, you know, you've got to set up your banking information. You've got to fill out tax forms on KDP and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then just went through and started clicking on, you know, I want to publish a new title and putting the title in and, and, you know, it's, it's actually not that hard, but when you're first starting, it's, there's a pretty steep learning curve. Like Mm -hmm. now I think, oh, it's really easy. Like, it'd be easy for me to just say, oh yeah, it's easy. You just go in and publish a book. (laughs) Um, but at the time it was really daunting. So taking that short story and, and going and and thinking, well, okay, I'm just going to go through the process and see how that works. And then I even started afterwards, once it had been published, I did start to look at, okay, how might I point people to this book? And that proved to be really difficult, A, because short stories are just really hard to get people to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, even like it was for, I put it on for 99 cents. Um, but also because I was using a pen name and I wasn't set up, uh, I, I didn't have that pen name set up to do anything. Like there's mm. no there's no Twitter for that pen name and no Facebook for that pen name or anything like that. So I think um, the, and the reason I used a pen name was because I was writing, like it was basically like a science fiction um, and fairly violent story. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought this is not really like, this isn't really what I want to write in, but it was like, I don't know if it was the mood I was in when I wrote the story, but, (laughs) um, but it's, it was about an assassin or something like that. So um, it, it just wasn't really what I wanted my, main books to be about mm-hmm. um you know sometimes you'll just free write all kinds of stuff um and so that's really why i used a pen name rather than my own name it was more about that it really wasn't connected to the other writing that i wanted to do uh yeah so it was also just a way of you know hiding i guess hiding myself from you know potentially you know someone i know finding it mm-hmm. um i did share it with a couple of friends who i had been talking about you know, self-publishing in the process just because I wanted to see what would happen in the dashboard when I got a sale. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I asked people, you know, would you please go and you know <laughs> buy this for 99 cents? And then I could go and I'd look in and go, oh, good. I've got it one sale in the U.S. and one sale in Canada. That's it's great. Kind of exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that was kind of fun. And then, but I did get a few random sales. Like I think I sold one in Germany and I thought, oh, what happened? Hey, that's I sold, awesome. I sold a book in Germany. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. 
Oh my gosh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And I and I feel like we could just kind of keep going, but I, I have another call that I need to get to. Um, is there is there anything else that I'm forgetting to ask? Anything else that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up? No, I think like you said, there's probably a million things that we could <laughs> talk about. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a pleasure to, to talk to you today. Oh, I gosh. just loved it. Well, the same to you, Matt. This has just been a delight. You've improved my day by 500% already. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Take care and...